podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always is Ethan Carter. What's going on, Vincent? Well, it's Memorial Day, and we're, we're, we're doing work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I was saying earlier, it's like, you, we might have the day off from work, but podcasts don't take a break. No, yeah. we, don't, we don't take a break for no man. <laughs> um, What'd you do uh, for Memorial Day? I'll be honest with you, Beth and I have had a tradition for the last, oh, since about 2008-ish, 2007-ish, when they opened the first Five Guys location in mm-hmm. New York. First time I ever went to Five Guys was on Memorial Day. It was like 2007 or 2008. And ever since then, every Memorial Day and every Labor Day, we have dinner from Five Guys. It's That's awesome. It's like our tradition. Because we couldn't remember the second year whether we went on Memorial Day or Labor Day the year before. So, <laughs> so we just started having Five Guys. So that's what we did tonight. And she was like, do you want to wanna go to Five Guys? I'm like, I it's really don't feel like leaving the house. <laughs> and then we looked and DoorDash delivered. So we got oh, Five perfect. Guys delivered to the door. So perfect. That's what we did. How about you? Did you do anything good? Um, I actually got a haircut. So, um, yeah, so, well, so Bettina did it and, um, wow. and, and as we've talked about before, but, uh, you know, I, unlike most people, I think in our space, uh, she, uh, she's kind of the opposite of, you know, most of us, I think feel like, all right, I might not know how to do something, but, I, but I can try or I'll figure it out. <laughs> and, and she's the exact opposite. She doesn't think she can do anything, even though she can do a lot. And, uh, so she was super nervous about it. Um, she did, she did give me one little bald spot so i've got like a little comb over that i'm hiding it but other than that she did fantastic now she really did do a good job and it, it feels good to have a haircut yeah just... i i i was challenged so i've been doing may for makers and grant alexander actually told me he gave me a really good idea he said you know what you've made it this long you should just leave your beard and just have it like no shave at the end of it yeah right oh like, yeah towards the end you of know the, what? Yeah. you're right and then just kind of just shave yeah. it on the last day or something and do like <laughs> just like snap my fingers do some cool editing stuff because you know i do cool editing stuff now there you go speaking of cool editing stuff yes. we could talk all night but it would be it would be an absolute waste of an amazing <laughs> guest um so i'll tell you the quick story everybody that's listening um you know i'm not trying to embarrass him we'll blow up his spot or anything but ethan has um and uh, i won't say an idol because that's kind of corny but somebody who is definitely he looks up to a lot mm-hmm. and i had gotten in touch with this person last year and i'd asked if when i first i we didn't i didn't even have a third episode of this podcast yeah i wasn't and i wasn't part of it yet right? yeah you you weren't even you weren't even a i didn't right. even know who you were yeah and i didn't have episodes yet i didn't have nothing i had nothing i was like Hey, I'm doing this really cool podcast. Here I am being super nuts and asking someone like you to be on my podcast. What do you think? And instead of a no, I got the most polite, well, you know what? It'll Maybe we'll do it after my next book comes out. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So that was an open door and that was all I needed. So when we got around to one year, I was like, you know what? I want to do something really special for Ethan and see if I can get this guy on. And <laughs> I said, I emailed him and I said, hey, you know... Remember we talked about you coming on? Well, you know, we're kind of getting, we've celebrated a year and, you know, we're kind of legit now. Would you want to come on? And he said yes. And he's on with us right now. The and if you don't know already, you're, you yeah, haven't listened you, long enough to If you watch our that. Instagram stories tonight, then you have no idea who it is. But if you watch our Instagram stories and you have three quarters of a brain on you, you know who it is. The one and only David Picciuto. Hello, David. What's going on, guys? Welcome. Welcome aboard, man. Yeah. You said uh, a minute ago, you said the podcast don't take a break, but my podcast, we took a break this week. 
Oh, did you? Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. And you guys haven't taken many. <laughs> and then um, normally on Tuesdays, my camera person comes over and we record a video. And I told him, let's take the week off. So this is the only actual work that I'm doing this week is, wow. is on your podcast. <laughs> you, We're you, honored. You want to you know what's funny? You know what's funny? So when I told when I told Beth that you were coming on, she goes, does he know it's Memorial Day? And I'm like, do I ask him? Like, do I want to ask him and then have him say, oh, I oh, have yeah. no, no idea. And then like not want to come on. You can't, you can't give the guest an out once they yeah. commit. Then you <laughs> see, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't give him an option to say, oh yeah, no, I changed my mind. No, 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 no. Well, it's no, funny. No. I did not mention it since you said that he was coming on on the 25th. I did not mention it once until just because I didn't want to jinx it. So. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say it was confirmed. So so, so th- thanks for coming on, David. Yeah, thank yes, you so much you for coming on. So we have um, one of the things that, that has become a theme, and you kind of were one of the first people we, we heard about this with. You and Bob kind of go hand in hand with this. Um, people who have become makers after being in basically a screen job, right? Mm-hmm. Some kind of sitting in front of a screen doing a digital job and not really having anything tangible at the end of the day. I mean, you were lucky enough to be a web developer, so you at least had a website to show for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of people that we know that are makers are like database admins and like technical support people and stuff like that. And you've kind of, you were kind of the forebearer of this trend for us where we saw, we started to see a lot of people that were like, yeah, I'm a maker because my day job just doesn't allow me to do what I really want to do. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got your start in woodworking and what made you kind of shift toward becoming a maker and what you were, I mean, you're more, we don't actually call you a maker. We're calling you a maker for the purposes of the discussion. We both (laughs) consider you more of an artist than a maker. Yep. Um, And we've used that term quite a bit. We don't. We never call you like a woodworker or a maker. You're an artist to both of us. So. It, well, and, and a creator. I think it's a, yeah. creator is a, also a really good term because it everything that you do is is creation. Creation, whether it's music making, woodworking, you know, um, yeah, go karting, anything, right? So <laughs> it's, it's go karting. Yeah, it's creating. So uh, that's yeah. How did you? How did you make that? mind shift and where did you how did what was your start like what was your beginning process yeah. like so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just start off by saying um artist and creator are probably the two terms that i identify with the most way more so than a woodworker or metal worker or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. so uh thank you i appreciate that so i was a web developer i went to school for graphic design and then I got in at this agency that I worked for for 10 years. And I I trans, transitioned into web development and also uh, because more graphic designers came on and they were way better than me. And they they earned those spots. And so I, I kind of transitioned into web development and we were a small ad agency. So... I was also the photographer and the videographer when we had to shoot commercials and and product stuff. And it was, I really, really enjoyed it, but the reward wasn't always there because you, as a team, we would make these great 
whether it was a website or a brochure or a commercial or whatever, we w- we would make these things that we would put our hearts in and then the clients would come back and ruin <laughs> it because they want to add like it doesn't say everything it needs to say and like no it does it visually says that you don't actually you know and so add you don't say everything with words dummy <laughs> yeah you, like you have to trust that your customers are smart and right um so a lot of times the clients would ruin the pieces and that's just it hurts so much and i think not having this physical thing that i could show off was also kind of eating at me because I've always liked books and collecting records and stuff. And that's like a physical thing that you can pick up and you can hold. And I didn't know it at the time, but I just kind of got into woodworking because I was a photographer and I wanted to get some of my pictures framed. And I thought, I'm going to try making some frames. I took woodworking in high school and then it just snowballed. I picked up a couple of books and I started watching Steve Ramsey and Mark Spagnuolo and it just went nuts and I was all in. And then lucky, lucky enough, I was able to get a big enough audience where I was able to quit my job. And I've been doing this for five years now. And I think one of the things that made it so easy for me to pick up an audience is because I worked at the ad agency and I understood branding and identity and how to do the logo and present yourself and look professional. Because my woodworking was not <laughs> anything I was super proud of. But my identity and branding was like spot right. on at the beginning. So I think that really, really helped. You you did something really subtle. And until you pointed it out, I wasn't even aware that you had done it. But when you, when you said you were talking on making it one time and you're like, yeah, I changed my red shirt to something else and everybody lost their mind. And I'm like, that's right. He does always wear a red shirt. Right. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. And it started to hit me like wow, he's really good at this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because I, I think back when um, when you you started YouTube and stuff like that, you know, everyone now knows that how important a thumbnail is. Everyone now knows like all these things because everyone ha- has listened to podcasts and done research. And, but I don't think people realized that at that point. I don't think people understood the branding at that mm-hmm. stage. And do you agree? I mean, I mean, I mean, you look at Bob. Bob also comes from that right marketing background yeah he he paid his friend to do all his branding right away so out of the gate he looked super professional and his business just took off so yeah it, it really is that important and it's probably even more important now yeah since there are so many people trying to do this um and the the, the pool is bigger there's more people swimming in this pool and Everybody has a hand plane or a saw blade as their logo. So now you got to get a little bit more creative <laughs> and you really have to have like this color identity. And um, I think it revolves around personality more now. You, mm-hmm. have to, you have to get them in with the thumbnail and then you have to keep them in with your, with your presence and your personality. So, I mean, and if you watch your earlier videos and then your videos today, you know, your, your personality has, has changed through that process. Was there a conscious shift or was it kind of just evolved? There's been a little of both. So talking to a camera is not a natural thing. You can't talk to a camera like you're talking to your friend because it'll come off really boring on camera. So I, I learned to talk louder and exaggerate and 
that helped. And then I realized that's a little bit too much energy. Let's let's bring it back. <laughs> so it's it's a game of like you have to find that balance because it's a it's a very non natural thing. So you it's a skill you have to work at it, and then you have to find your voice on camera. And then as you evolve and as you are influenced by others, you are naturally going to change how you present yourself. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I look at my older stuff and I'm like, this is, I could have done so much better. Like this video should have been a hit, but it, but it (laughs) wasn't because it, it took too long. Um, a a big mistake that I made. And then I think lots of people make now is they try to be funny in the videos. And if you try to be funny, make sure it's funny because if it's not, it really kills the vibe (laughs) of a video. You've you've done a good job. You've done a really good job of, of like inserting like little bits of like dry humor in your videos like absolutely it's not, yeah it's not like over the top knee knee slapping funny yeah. it's just oh my god that was hysterical like you know the kind of funny where you just go okay that was really clever i like that you know? <laughs> well and and, it, and i love the like the, i think cameraman dan like the the interactions you guys have yeah has really helped with that too because it feels natural like i was trying to think of one example oh it was uh when you were talking about um a brick pattern and you're trying to like explain it on camera and he's like there's a diagram behind you and it's like the brick wall <laughs> and like that was like the perfect it was like but that was like it's so it's so, so natural when you guys go back and forth so yes so having somebody else in the room allows you to be humorous or funny i can't i it's really hard to do that if you're the only one imagine mm-hmm. like a stand-up comedian recording a set by himself with nobody in the room it's going right. to be really weird. And you're kind of seeing that with late night shows right now. If you right. watch any of them, like at first it was really weird. Um, like a couple of them would have these weird, awkward pauses after joke because they're waiting for that audience interaction. <laughs> and then it's not there. And then like, wait, that, that was weird. And you can see they're now evolving. And one of the reasons I've been loving the quarantine late night shows is their video quality has gone up. Like the first week was really bad. Looks like they were all filming on a phone. No lighting. And then you can see like the studios sending them new equipment and the video is just you got to see the progression of of DIY phone right. videos to these these comedians having full studios in their attics or basements or wherever they're filming. And so. what was what was most interesting is like hearing like radio shows and TV shows, you know, doing production level of shows and it's like Wow, um, I know podcasts that are doing a better job than you guys. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on? Well, you know, like because yeah. podcasts and YouTubers, we've been doing this for forever, right? I feel like we have better setups than than I, I they really did, do. right? I completely I mean, agree. Like, <laughs> I've heard, I heard, um, I forgot who it was, but somebody was doing an interview and it was like, "Oh, that was." Did somebody record that? Weird? It was like, "No, that's how it went out." I'm, Wait, what? <laughs> like, somebody put that out in public? Like, how do you how do you do that? Even even our weekly Zoom calls that we do. Are, are better quality than this. Like, I light myself decently. I have a right. decent mic. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Why? <laughs> and it's just, they're just, usually they have people that do it for them, but now yeah. they have to kind of figure it out themselves. And it's like, yeah, it's not that easy when you're a one-man crew, is it? <laughs> right, right. It, it really leveled the playing field. Yeah. I do, I do love seeing, I love seeing, like, because we, as small content creators and, you know, Obviously, I'm not. Call, I'm not saying you're a small creator, but compared to a TV situation, you are a small creator, and you know we've kind of figured this out, 
We've got the we've got the lighting, we've got the cameras, we've got the editing process. You know what works online because you've done it long enough. And it's like, then you see these guys. It's like, yeah, I'm a TV guy, and watch this. And it comes online. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't work, dude. <laughs> you better tighten it up a little bit because we do things a little differently out here. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a and many times it's a quicker pace. Jump cuts are okay. They're the norm on YouTube. Like you can't do a right. jump cut on television. That would be very jarring. And it's. I don't know why, but it's it's just different. We've you know it, it, we're I think our brains are just trained for it because like even I remember so I remember when Z Frank started all those years ago, and I remember his frantic pace of speaking and the constant jump cuts, and I was like every he was almost like every sentence was a jump cut, and I was <laughs> like how are you doing this? Like why are you doing this? This is aggravating. But after a while, it's like, oh, this is just the way everyone talks on YouTube now. It's like, oh, jump cut, jump cut, jump. Well, cut. I, I think I think it can also become part of your. Edit. I mean, mm-hmm. again, David, your 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 editing style where you like cut your sentence short. Oh my god! Like yeah. that, that's a, that's a stylistic um, point of your videos, and I love that. Like it, it you would not if you went to you know film school they would say that's the worst thing you could ever do but <laughs> but again to me that's branding and that's i expect that or I, i'm yeah i expect that when i watch a video and it cracks me up and it just works i remember when you did it the first time and i was like wow he left that in because i thought it was a mistake <laughs> and i was like i was like wow he's really confident because i would have gone back and reshot that and you just like left it in and then after a while it was just like every once in a while you're, and we're gonna go over to the table and i'm like oh okay this is part of this is part of the gag okay it's 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 amazing how many things you know you were talking about your brand identity and you know having a brand <clears> identity <throat> it's amazing how many things you come to associate with people like when I hear that bass line for that one song that you use all the time, mm-hmm. it's just like I hear it in my head and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the David Picciuto song. In fact, do you want to know something, a weird branding thing that I associate you with? Go ahead. The the Harbor Freight F-clamps. <laughs> okay. I actually have a bunch of them downstairs and I call them Picciuto clamps. <laughs> oh, because man. Because I just associate you with those clamps because I remember you did – I don't remember what the project was, but it was in, the, it was in your basement in the old shop. Mm-hmm. And you did a project where you put like 50 of them on something. And I was just, I was like, yep, I need to get like 50 of those because they're really, really cheap. And that's exactly the kind of thing I need right now just to stock up my shop. And they just became known as Pachuto clamps. (laughs) (laughs) I have not broken a single one of those clamps. And it's just every time you go to Harbor Freight, I'm like, they're three bucks or four bucks or whatever. You just, you just get a couple because there are times where you need 50 clamps. You don't need them most of the time, but that one time. It is so nice to have all. And you don't need the best. You don't need the best ones. You just need ones that apply pressure, right? Yes, yeah. Yes. And right. 50, 50 cheap clamps is mm-hmm. is fifty clamps. You know, and yeah, if you get it gets you through one project, who cares? They're cheap. Well, one I think of, that. Oh, sorry. One of the things I loved about your shop, you know, when when you first started doing videos, was you weren't afraid to use a tool that wasn't like a high, super high end tool. Like you had stuff in the shop that kind of. When I was getting started out, I had nothing. So I was like, oh, I can't afford any woodworking tools. But then I saw stuff that I recognized from Harbor Freight. And I'm like, I could do that. I could, <laughs> I could do that. Like, if he can use it, I can use it. Mm. And you don't understand how relaxed that made me about not being able to afford high-end tools. And granted, I have kind of swift switched a little bit. Like, I do tend to now, if, I, if a tool's a little more expensive, I'm okay with spending the money now. 
But in the beginning, one of the reasons I was able to do this at all was because, hey, he has the Harbor Freight disc sander. Mm -hmm. It must be fine. you know. It's, or he has the F-clamps, and they're $3 a piece, and they must be fine, and they'll <laughs> get me by. Well, and I think I think one of the nice balances anytime you do like a shop tour, David, or is, or is like <clears throat> there are tools that are nice to have the high end ones if you can't afford them, and there's tools that like again like the the disc sander is a perfect example of it's a great you've had it for how long and it's it works great and the same with the clamps and stuff like that so if it works you don't need that you don't need the fest tool just because you. Like, that's not going to make you a better woodworker. If it's a right. good tool, it is what it is. So, my philosophy on this has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. So, the two oldest tools, the two tools that I've had the longest in my shop are both Harbor Freight tools. That's the hmm. disc sander and the spindle sander. I The spindle sander is as, still as good as the day that I got it. The disc sander, the table is completely uh, warped because a board got wedged in between the the disc and the the table and that table is like that cheap aluminum stuff. yeah 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 but i've still been using it and it works perfectly fine so there are harbor freight tools that weren't as i didn't have as that much success with like there are some clamps that are just oh, for total sure. crap do not get the aluminum bar claps they will break when you put <laughs> <laughs> well they, so they they do bend though they do. They they will. I I've yeah. not bent one yet, but I I do have the issue where they don't quite click in place when you're closing mm. them, and you're you're turning the thing, and you're like, I didn't realize I had to turn that. Why am I turning this so far? Oh, because the other half moved. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> I broke a couple, and then I'm like, I got rid of them all, and now I have like yeah. the Rockler ones, and they're stupid expensive, but they work so much better. But yeah, right. totally. you can back, trust them. Going back to the tool thing, I. I understand when somebody new comes, somebody new to the craft, and they see what us YouTubers are using, and they want to get those tools. And a lot of times, like you, you watch Steve Ramsey; he's using, he's always going to use the bare minimum. So if you're a new woodworker, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's he's the place that you should go to. I, the purpose of my channel isn't to teach necessarily. Uh, I I'm hoping to. Do more inspirational type stuff. Like mm -hmm. you can do this. So I buy tools. I tend to buy the tools with the highest rated dust collection because I do this a lot and I want to do this and for a long carpet. time. And I also want tools that are going to last. Most tools will last a very mm -hmm. long time now, no matter what maker brand. And sometimes you buy into a battery system, and so you go with that that mm -hmm. particular route. <clears throat> and I'm going to buy the tools that are going to allow me to work the most efficient and as fast as possible because this is what I right. do for a living and I want to put out as many videos as possible. So efficiency means so much to me. Now, that being said, on Wednesday, maybe tomorrow, but probably Wednesday, I've got a video coming out on making the beer tote. You probably have seen the beer totes that I've made in mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. I make it with only a jigsaw and a drill. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two power tools wow. in the entire yep. video. And I, the point is... You don't need all the expensive tools. They help you make things faster. They might be more enjoyable to use. They might be safer. They might have better dust collection. But you can get by with these basic tools, and you can do a lot. Well, I, I one, of my, one of my favorite things is, like, I actually really enjoy the pro – like, when I don't have the right – the quote-unquote right tool for the job, 
figuring out a way to do it with what I have is actually a, like a really rewarding yes. part of the process for me. Like that's part of like, that's what I get more excited about that sometimes than the actual whatever I'm making. I think that's, that's a really, really good point. You overcame a hurdle and now it's, it's more satisfying than if right. you would have had the tool that would have done the job for you by itself. So there's, um, I think the people that complain about the tools they're not really trying to be mean. I think they're just new to the hobby and they don't understand like woodworking is about problem solving and not everybody has yeah. the same tool set. And so you have to, you have to jump these little hurdles. I think anybody who's been woodworking for most people who've been woodworking for a few years that watch the videos understand that you can do the same. There's 10 ways to do the same thing. Right. And, and that's, that's something that I think that's something that you really have to just cram into your brain that it's not a, it's the same. Like I come from my, before I was, before I ever called myself a maker, I was more, I was really into photography and photography is another one of those things where it's like, Oh, if I don't have a brand new camera with a high end lens, it's like, how am I going to take good pictures? And we had Tabitha Park, who's a photographer on um, a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, yeah, you can use your, you can use your phone. You just, this is what you have to work around. You know, it's, you may have to work around things a little more, but you're still able to actually do the thing. One of the things that you just said that really, really hit me because it's actually how it worked for me. You're not really, your channel isn't really there to teach. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost more to inspire. And when I think about, I, I, I think I sent it to you on Twitter, the three people, when I did my May for Makers, my, um, my inspiration video or my, no, my how you learned video. And it was like, well, Bob got me off the couch. David made me want to be a woodworker, and Steve Ramsey taught me how. You know, it was mm -hmm. like those you, the three of you guys who have all now officially been guests on this podcast. But the three of you guys, that's that's kind of how I view you guys. Like Bob was like, you know, my maker dad almost. And you, after watching your videos, it was like, oh man, I want to, I want to be a woodworker. Like I, I want to learn how to do that. And then Steve started doing the weekend woodworker course, and it was like, well, there it goes. Now I know how to do this. Now I can take this course. And well, okay. you can, let's say tomorrow we'll make up a person. Joe wants to be a woodworker. Joe just can't be a woodworker like that. He's, he can't just start in a completely outfitted wood shop. You have to right. start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you, you, you'll never understand all of those tools completely unless you work one at a time. You start with a jigsaw. Maybe then you get a circular saw and you understand that. And then you move up to a table saw. And I'm like, now it's time to, for a bandsaw. And you can, you, there's a lot of things that you can make with just a circular saw and a drill. And then as you, you, you it, it's better to naturally grow into it and you'll get an appreciation for it. And having mm -hmm. those barriers are going to make you more creative. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I've worked around not having a CNC for a long time. And finally, I'm now hitting a point where it's like, for my business, it actually makes sense for me to have one. So I actually ordered one. But yeah, I've been working around not having one. It's like, yeah, I can I can get by, you know. And it's, it's, cra it's crazy that I see people thinking that if they don't have a fully outfitted shop that it's not going to work. It's like, well... Yeah, I have a fully outfitted shop now, but I didn't start that way. What I started with was a miter saw and a drill press. Mm -hmm. That's the first two yep. tools I had, and that was all I had. And little by little, you know, sometimes what you do is you buy the best thing you can afford just so you can get it moving. 
And then over time, you use those tools until you can't use them anymore. And then if you're like into it, you upgrade them. If you're not into it, well, you're not out that much money, but at least you did something, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. When I think, I, I think the other thing with, with YouTubers and all that is, again, I, actually, David, I haven't, I've watched, I can't even imagine how many videos of yours, but I've actually never made any of your, your, your projects. And I say that because I watch them, I watch your videos because I pick up bits and pieces or ideas or inspiration as I watch them. And so it doesn't matter if I don't have that tool. It's, I'm not watching it to make that thing. I'm, I'm watching it to get inspiration and to get ideas and to get the problem solving that you show and those types of things. And that's so it doesn't matter that I don't have all the fancy tools. I don't have a laser. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because I'm just trying to I'm just get, trying to get inspired or pick up little things here and there. And that's exactly how I watch Jimmy Duresta videos. I've never made it right. that Jimmy Duresta yeah. watches, but I watch or it makes but I watch every single one of his videos because there'll be a thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what did he just do? I didn't know you could do that. And then that right. that sits in my back pocket and that'll always be there in case I need to figure out how to join these two materials in a cool, creative way. Right. Well, Absolutely. It's it's. I've been watching, there's a, a guy on YouTube called Brother in Wood. And hmm. what he's been doing, he's been doing these, in, he does these inlay cutting boards. And as soon as he started doing them, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the method Jimmy did when he did his Guinness table. And I watched enough of his this guy's videos now, and then I watched another video last night. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to do this now. Like, <laughs> I understand the process. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy watching everybody do what they do. But a lot of times, it'll be like, I'm watching it to be entertained, and then I'll take that one little nugget and go, that was the missing piece. That's what I didn't quite get right, mm-hmm. and now I understand it. Even you did a video a long time ago on on framing, on how to actually do framing. And you held up your point driver. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I want that. And I literally, that day, I bought one. And I ended up doing a whole bunch of picture frames, including one I did for my mom for Christmas. And I was like, this thing is incredible. How do people do picture? How did people do frames without this? Like, this thing's <laughs> incredible. And it was, did I make the picture frame the same way you did? No. Did I use your amazing sled to do it? No. But what did I get out of it? This thing called a point driver exists. Like, how would I even know that? And now it's really funny because all the frames I make have a backing over all of them. Like, I oh, cover yeah. them with a paper. Dust cover, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I didn't even know that was a thing until you showed it in the video. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I watch all these maker videos. It's not because I'm going to sit there and follow their process exactly. It's just sometimes you pick up a tidbit and you go, oh, I'm totally using that going forward. <laughs> Did I show the how to do it if you don't have a point driver in that video where you use the channel uh, locks? I, I think the, you did it nail? with a tack, with little tack nails. Yeah. yeah with yeah. A, yeah, that's And that's the other thing, right? Like you right. can totally do it without a point driver. If you're making a lot of frames, you want a point driver. But if you're <laughs> yeah. not, if you're just doing it occasionally, you know, tack nails and a tack hammer is just fine, you know, and that's two dollars worth of stuff literally two dollars worth of stuff mm-hmm. well I, I think that's another thing that you do really well is you don't go over the top in terms of 12 different ways to do the same thing but you do often give either verbally or a show you know you can do it this way you know and i think that again that's for someone that's getting started that's a, a really comforting thing to, to hear like you know here's here's another way you can do it you don't have to have this right yep yeah. Even the planter, the planters, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we know you don't have a lathe. So here's how you can do it in right. another way. You know, right. I love when you do 
like when you were doing the acrylic bending, the the most re- one of the, your more recent videos, you were doing the acrylic bending, and it's like, oh wow, that's an interesting way to do it. Like to just clamp it in and hit it with a hairdryer. I never <laughs> would have thought to try that. You know, and I like I like that your channel has gone, and you know, you you made a conscious shift to this, but you've gone away from so much focus on the project and more focus on the process. Like even the the acrylic bending video was more of a just here's something you can do and here's a couple of different ways to do it here's this here's and, the reasoning for that is so i can do a project in the future and like we're actually working on a clear um toolbox made out of acrylic with the bending yes and i don't I'm so excited to, when you're talking about that <laughs> yeah i don't have to explain the process i can just uh-huh. do it and i can make a quick tidy punchy video and I can say, you want to learn how to do this. There's another video on there. And so that's here's the card. Right. Yep. And that's why I've, I've done like, here's 10 different ways to do a bud, bunch joint, or here's a, here's two different ways to do box joints. And that's so I can make future videos quicker. Cause I try to make my videos as short as possible because I'm competing against all those other videos that go along the, the right side of your YouTube page or, uh, you know, I mean, YouTube is all these videos are competing for your attention. So I'm trying to make quick, punchy videos. I really got to do that for leather stitching, Vincent, huh? Uh, uh, it would be very helpful. Yeah, I well, because I, I opened my stitching chisels yet. So yeah, that would be really helpful. That's like my <laughs> least favorite part of every one of my leather working videos is like explaining how to stitch, do yeah. the saddle stitch. Mm. So that's a good, that's a good tip. <laughs> you, um, you made a, you made a big shift in your channel where you were, you kind of step back from the pressure on yourself of doing a weekly video. Mm-hmm. And I remember you talking on making it about the, um, about taking that pressure off yourself and just making things because you want to, not because you feel like you have to be pressed into doing a schedule. And now that we're a couple, um, we're actually quite a while into you doing it that way. How have you, have you noticed any changes in your approach to how you view doing YouTube videos? Like, is it more, is it less stressful now? Is it more, are you finding it more enjoyable? How's it working out for you? It is definitely more enjoyable. It's, it's two-sided for sure. So, um, if I don't put out a video this particular week, it's not a big deal. And... I don't have to try to get the video shot all in two days now. And mm-hmm. so there, there is that. Now, this week I told camera Dan, hey, we're not working this week. We're going to take a week off. So it does allow laziness to creep into the workflow. And it has because when I remove, I need deadlines to keep me in pace. So I won't verbally say them, but I will have my own personal little deadlines like, okay, today I'm going to finish the edit on this particular video. Tomorrow we're going to go re- uh, research, pick up materials and draw up the plans for the next project. And and I, and if I don't do that, the laziness really creeps in. So it's, it's two sided. It's a, it's a balancing act. And I, mm-hmm. I may go back to the weekly thing down the road. Uh, I may go to two videos a week down the road, who knows, but I have to keep changing it up, otherwise I get really bored. And I, this I have I have my dream job, and you should never be bored of your dream job. That is just <laughs> right. That's um, I mean that's just being a bad person. Like like so many people would love to have 
the shop and to make YouTube videos for a living. So let's make it exciting for me as much as I can. Well, I, I, I noticed too, even, I mean, my, with myself too, is, you know, if you, if you are doing something and you're, and you're not having fun with it, right. Then that ends up coming through, right. Maybe not the first video, maybe not the second, but like by the third video, if you're not, if you're not enjoying yourself or you're not enjoying the pace, eventually that comes through. And I think again, if you're a, uh, someone that's inspiring people and stuff like that, and you know, you're not having fun and you're not and that the audience can tell that that's just going to, you know, that's just going to backfire on you anyways. Yeah. So you have to find a way to enjoy what you're doing. The energy in my video to me is more important than the project that I'm making. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to watch the video and to get excited or just inspired or excited. And that's the main point. When I, when I get the comment of like, after watching your videos, I just go out in the shop and just tinker. Like that is so satisfying to me that my video made somebody get up away from their computer to go do something. Well, the, uh, your drill press, press uh, your drill press video that was to me that was a such like a perfect example of you, your your excitement over that. Yeah, was so like so when real. You were pulling and, down the quill and yeah. it started spinning as you were pulling it down, and you got so excited. Yeah. I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" Like he's like a kid. Exactly. So, but the last time I remembered you being that excited was when you first got your Glowforge. Yeah. And it was like, wow, he is really like, and your enthusiasm for that drill press made me want to just run out and buy it. Well, like, it's contagious. Well, it, but it's not even that drill press. It's just the the excitement. Yeah. It's contagious. It just makes you like, I just wanted to go down and make stuff and use, yeah. use what I had. And like, it, it is. And again, I think that's one of the things that I really like about your channel and you is that when you are passionate and excited about something, it's contagious and that's, and it just makes you, everyone that's, at least for me, makes me want to do things. And I, that's why I think it's such, it, and, and again, I, that's why I really like that you take that approach of making sure that you are happy and content with what you're doing mm-hmm. and, and, and shifting if you need to shift because to me, that's what's important and that's what's so contagious about your channel. That, and that shift has led to doing a lot of things outside of woodworking like playing Mm -hmm. with the plastics and bending acrylic and i've got a handful of books on paper folding i don't know how i'm going to make this into a video but we're going to make a really really cool paper folding video and it's (laughs) and it's going to blow my own mind whether other people (laughs) like it i am going to love it because i have a couple of ideas and so i'm um i really started to get bored with trying to do a woodworking project every week. And so right. mm-hmm. at the go-kart thing has just changed everything for me. I mean, like, cause now well, I'm totally in the metal working and, um, I'm making my own, uh, fiberglass body and I'm bending plastic for that. And I'm, um, machining parts that I need. And like, this has re-energized me in, in the world of making. Right. One of, one of the things that you, you said recently on making it that really kind of hit for me, was when you were talking about how even though you were kind of you were kind of locked down and you had to be home you were felt like you were losing your motivation to go down to the shop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was like wow you know it's i this is one of those cyclical things that all you know all of us go through you know anyone that makes anything especially if you have to be creative every time you need to make something you do eventually 
it's not even burnout. It's just fatigue, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't want to do this right now. Right. And it's you I, when you said you said that you were you know you wake up and a lot of days you just wanted to just stay on the couch and watch TV. I was actually at that point I was working from home, and it was it was so tempting, and many days I did where I would just roll out of bed you know nine o'clock which is like three hours later than I typically roll out of bed, and I would make my breakfast I would watch YouTube until it would be a, an appropriate time for me to <laughs> like say okay now I'm at work and I would grab my Surface Pro throw it in my lap and sit at my sit on my couch and be at work. And when you when you said you were having trouble kind of keeping it going, it really, really hit me. It hit me hard because it's like, God, I'm having the exact same problem. And, you know, I know that now that you kind of now that Dan's back mm-hmm. in the shop with you, it seems like things are kind of going back to normal. But how did you end up overcoming it? Like, what was the was there like a moment where it's like, no, I'm not going to give into this and I'm just going to push back on it. Like, how did that how did you evolve back into <laughs> going like kind of going back to doing your thing i don't know if i have a good answer for that because so <laughs> i'm not i'm not a news person like i will not watch the news because it's so depressing like if you just watch yeah. your six o'clock news it's terrible story after terrible story and then at the end they try to make you feel better by showing <laughs> you kittens or whatever and so <laughs> you know the formula very yeah, well yeah. Yeah. credit <laughs> so you know, most of my adult life is just me avoiding news. But we're in this weird thing where, like, news is really important right now. And it's happening mm-hmm. so fast. And and it's – I mean, it, the virus hasn't affected anybody that I know. But it could at any time, you know. So I right. – um, so I have been keeping up. but And then it just makes you feel like crap after watching the news. And I don't mm-hmm. know – and, and during that time, Dan wasn't here. When Dan is right. coming here every week, that puts me on a schedule. That kind of forces me like to get in that zone. But when he wasn't coming here and I'm watching the news, it's just like, I'll just go out and I'll film this video when I feel like it. Because I can't fake being excited about something if I'm not excited right. about something. So mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer. I just, I, you know, it it's just like, oh, happened. it's, it's it- evening. I'm going to. You know, I don't normally shoot videos in the evening. Maybe maybe just changing it up a little bit, doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly goes to bed. I'm going to go out in the shop and, and make something. I never I never go out in the shop at night. Let's go do that. So maybe just changing wow. up the routine. That's a, yeah. big, that's a big thing for guys like you, right? Like, if you're in the shop all day, like, there's no... Do you have... And, you know, you can tell me, screw off <laughs> if you don't want to answer this, but do you have moments where you go to the shop and just make something for yourself without a camera? Uh, no, not really, except for the okay. go-kart stuff. So gotcha. okay. um, I've gotten into go-kart racing, like competitive go-kart racing on dirt ovals. And I have a... Barking wieners. Barking wieners. <laughs> barking wieners. Uh, you, you pay attention, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Um, and so I have this go-kart that I race, but I also have one that I'm building from scratch, like welding it up and it's got all these crazy curves in there. So it's, it's a, it's a challenge for me and it's a learning process for me. And this is my thing. That is the thing that I don't film because I want to go out there at any time of the day and not feel the pressure of the camera. So that is just for Mm -hmm. me. Although I will like when I have an aha moment or I I get this Mm -hmm. new, tool for that shop 
that I think is super cool, I will film a little bit of that because I want to share that excitement with, with somebody. So right. um, I got the tube bender and the tube matcher, and that was a new world for me. And I did a bunch all by myself on my own. And then I'm like, okay, this last bend that I have to do, let's film this. I don't have to do the whole go-kart. I can just do this one particular part and show. I didn't even know that these tools existed six months ago. So it was <laughs> yeah. cool to me. So maybe right. this will introduce uh, a, a new world to somebody else. So I, I knew they existed. I just never saw anyone use them. So it was <laughs> I, I really cool the way you explained how they work. And it was yeah. like, wow, okay, this is actually really interesting. And again, you like you said with Jimmy, it's you're not going to make stuff that Jimmy makes, but you just like watching Jimmy make stuff. It was the same watching mm-hmm. you bend pipe. I'm like, I'm not going to bend pipe because I'm not going to weld pipe because I'm not going to notch pipe because I'm not making a go-kart. <laughs> but it's really freaking cool to watch someone do this right. stuff. And you, right. you got to be careful. You don't want your audience chewing you up. So pipe is measured on the inside diameter and tube is measured on the outside diameter so (laughs) you got to be careful with the terminology that's that's the one time i'm (laughs) exactly that's the one time i'm happy my audience is so small is that i don't have to deal with that nonsense (laughs) um so so we're gonna here's a here's a little secret i will i haven't done it in a long time but i will purposely or i have purposely called something the wrong thing or done something (laughs) Just to get the comments going, yeah. Or I will pretend like I don't know a thing. I haven't done it in a while, but it works. It is a good trick to get people to interact That's with your funny. video. Because well, I've heard that uh, on like uh, people that use Reddit, and I've had a little success on Reddit. Uh, that retention's horrible, but um, but if you say if you like use, I made this out of like cheap material. You know the word cheap or the like whatever, and it gets sometimes it gets a going and just like. It's horrible. The comments are horrible, but it gets it trending, you know? <laughs> There's trigger words, yeah. And yeah. people love to show off their knowledge. So if you if you say you don't They're, know something, yeah. that opens up a conversation for somebody else okay. to share that knowledge. <laughs> Actually, sometimes if you say you know something, it's a good trigger for somebody. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> no, you don't. You actually don't know, know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Pipes are measured on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> become comic book guy from The Simpsons yeah. starts commenting on yeah, the right. videos. So we're going to take a quick break, um, hit the sponsors, and we'll come back and talk a little <clears> more <throat> with David. And we're back. So as mentioned earlier, one of the things that um, David was working on before he came on the podcast was his new book. So why don't you give us a little preview of what the new book's going to be about? So... I'm probably uh, the publisher probably loves me and hates me. This book was supposed to be done a year and a half ago <laughs> and I keep dragging my feet and I'll get excited about it. And then you, after you dive in like 12 projects, you're like, I just want this to be done. Um, it's <laughs> just not as fun as filming a video because a video is it's instant. It's like we film one day, I edit the next day and I release it the day after that. And a book is a mm-hmm. year-long process. But um, anyway, I'm recently learning that it's on pre-order now on Amazon, which um, really? it's not even done yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, so it is called Make Your Own Kitchen Tools, uh, simple and stylish wooden projects for everyday use. So everything is for the kitchen. And... Um, most of them are fairly easy projects, ones that you can do with maybe scraps or just take a day. None of them are very big, except for maybe like this spice rack. Um, but, um, a bunch of fun little projects and 
it's supposed to come out on July 28th. I've got a good feeling that's going to get delayed. Uh, I'm going to have all the projects are done, and I'm going mm -hmm. to fi I'm finish writing all the cut lines, and I'm going to have that done by Friday. There's this whole process of I don't know what goes on behind the scenes with publishers, but <laughs> it takes it takes a long time. And then everything is delayed right now because uh, printing presses are not operating at full speed, and people aren't working. So who knows when the book is going to come out? Do you um you want to talk about any of the projects? Like maybe one or one of your favorite ones from the book, like one that we can really look forward to seeing, or is it too top secret? Are we not allowed to talk about it yet? Um, well. I nothing that the thing there's nothing that really really sti here here here's the here's the thing one of the things is I am making um hand carved utensils like spoons and mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. like the ones on the cover which look really those yeah, are just by the way it is a placeholder I did not make those <laughs> so that cover is going to change before July 28th um so I got this chunk of wood from a friend and I wanted to work with wet wood. So we're all over the board on these projects. Some of them you can do with hand tools. Some of them you need, you know, a table saw or whatever. And this particular one, I wanted it to all be hand carved. And you don't need any power tools for this. And the way to go is to use wet wood, wood that has not been kiln dried. And so my friend hmm. gave me this chunk of wood and he's like, I think it's sycamore. And I was like, I just need wet wood. I'll take it. Thank you. It came from his yard. And it turns out it was the hardest wood I could possibly work with. I kept thinking that my I got I got the set of carving tools, and I'm like these are dull. They got to be dull. And I go and I pick up a piece of hard maple, and it just slices right through that. And I go back to this sycamore or whatever it is, and it's 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 just takes so long. <laughs> and so it is the it's the one project in the book that is not completely done. I still got a little bit more. All the photos are done except for the the glamour shot at the end. Um, but mm -hmm. I still got a little bit more carving and to put finish on there. And it's just, it's the one project that like, it's killing me. Like, I don't want to finish this project because <laughs> this wood sucks so bad, but we're all, <laughs> we've already shot the nine or 10 steps or whatever it takes. So I can't go back and start over. So I'm fully in it. What was it like? I'm, so this is your third book now. What was it like trying to juggle making videos because the first two you were making a video a yes. week when you made the, did those first two how did you manage to juggle a video a week on youtube plus getting the book done at all like that had to be just an insane sprint. i don't remember i'll be 100 percent honest with you i don't <laughs> remember so I, I, I hopefully this doesn't come off wrong i've been making weekly videos for five years um and there are so many projects that i've done that i i I don't remember making like I know that I made that thing. I can look at that and I can remember the video, but the actual time making it, I actually don't remember. And so, um, wow. Th and I think it's just because I become very detached of the project once it's done. Like I am fully in that project when, when I'm making it, but as soon as I start the next project, I have no attachment to that previous one. It could burn up in a fire. I don't care. <laughs> are there any are there any you look back on really fondly like ones that like i mean for me just like my, proud of yeah the one that you did that i still love to this day is the hot dog table that's but oh yeah i don't want to try to <laughs> coax you in a certain direction but i'm just curious if there's any projects you did that you really feel super attached to that you'd be really upset 
if anything were to happen I think to them that, after you know based on what yeah, you just said definitely the wedding rings for sure i mean that's a mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. um that's a personal project Annual. you know like right. we, if you don't know every year kelly and i we retire our wedding rings and we make new ones and that's the fun little challenge is how do you make them different every year and also make an entertaining video about it so so definitely i would hate to lose the wedding rings in a fire that cough that hot dog coffee table or the hot dog end table that's a pretty cool project i mean it's i'm very somebody comes to over it. to the house the first of your videos that i ever watched yeah. <laughs> if you come over to my house that's the first thing i'm showing off <laughs> are, are you invited <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just not, asking you know, not, I, don't want to just show up your, yeah. I don't want to just show up yeah. on your front lawn or anything that would be creepy well, when i said when i said you know let's record a podcast in the future I was hoping you guys could come over here and we could do the podcast first. <laughs> the whole quarantine thing has screwed that all up. Got it so. six feet away. Yeah. Just that's why you. Work. That's why you picked. That's why you said today would work. For yeah, me. <laughs> you knew we'd all be quarantined, and I wouldn't show up on your yeah. lawn with like anything sharp or you know your shirt and maybe some candle wax from your altar or anything weird like that. Uh, the the drunken woodworker archive. We got to it's official. We got to interview Nick Offerman. One one of my personal like heroes, not as a woodworker, but as a human, just as a, just a yeah, decent person, comedian, and just great and person, super yeah. talented. And so when we were recording that interview, it was we got to see video, like we like he was in his home, and I'm like, you're, you ever <laughs> driving down your neighborhood road at night and the lights are on and then the curtains are open? You got to look in, you got to see what their house. The house right. I'm like, I'm peeking through. I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for what his house is like, you know, because this is a successful Hollywood. <laughs> that is so funny. Let's see. Well, that's the most interesting part of the whole of the whole quarantine thing. Is like, so do we have our local our local CBS affiliate was doing the other night, and you know they're doing their whole we're in this together, we're with you, we're here for you, and all that stuff. And they're all doing it in like these these clearly staged rooms, and it's like, okay, I, I get it. You you read a lot of books. You all read a lot of freaking books. Every one of you is the most a lot of leather bound books. Exactly. And then they get to like one of them, and I swear to you, I don't even know how she let this get on the air. She's standing on like a stone and like a stone balcony, and there's just like rolling undulating grass behind her, trees as far as the eye can see. And she's got like this really nice, like wrought iron, like ex- like looks seriously expensive, like outdoor furniture. And she's all dressed up and made up. And she's doing. She's obviously holding her phone in her hand, doing. It. She's like, "We're here for you. It's CBS New York." And I'm like, and I paused it. I said to my wife, "I'm like, dude, do you feel like she can relate to us? Like, I mean, just really, do you feel like that's that's our people? Like, oh yeah, our house is her." She was standing at such an angle where you could see that the that the balcony she was standing on was the size of our house. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm just not feeling that we're in this together right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It's uh, so one of the things that I find, one of the things I love, one of the things I love about you and you and Bob and Jimmy have all talked about this at one point or another, and I really do dig when you talk about it because I just I giggle because I've seen it is the I, I don't want to so much get back to tools and just the kind of comments that you guys have to deal with but like if you use the glowforge for something when someone comes and goes it must be nice to have a glow or it must be ni-, the it must be nice comments <laughs> and the all that stuff like is that the most annoying thing that you hear from people or is there stuff that's worse than that um or do you just let it go uh, hmm, oh, i mean th- 
there's four different questions though that I could do a deep yeah, dive. In. <laughs> oh, yeah. So some somebody was it Dan Mace or Casey Neistat did a video on it must be nice and it was just put so so well. But the the thing that bothers me more than the it must be nice is oh that's easy if you have a shop full of tools. Right. That's the mm. one that gets me. Because that, yeah. that's the one that tells me you are not a maker because you don't you have no idea problem solving. And if you did, right. yeah. you would have a better attitude. And so it's the photography equivalent of you must have a really nice camera. Right, right. It, yeah. right. No, if you have a CNC, it does the work yeah. for you, right? Yeah. So yeah, you don't do anything. There's nothing involved in that. <laughs> Those are the ones that really irritate me. Yeah. I, just, I want to just pull them aside and be like, I started with one tool i started with nothing you know like I, I i this wasn't handed to me this didn't happen overnight and I'm like just start making something go make something mm-hmm. and you will understand and 10 years down the road you will have a shop full of tools because you won't be able to you won't be able to help it you'll once you get into it you can't stop so um we just want them to understand them too to understand. I, I think that's like the frustration right it's just like clearly you don't understand what what we do or what i'm doing like yeah if you if you knew what we're doing then you would have much more respect another one that bothers me is people who think i'm showing off and i that Mm -hmm. is it is so not the point it's like getting into an argument with a family member and they're like you're lying but you're not lying and but they think you're lying (laughs) and you just you flip out because you're trying to like no, this is the this is the truth. Like I am really, really not trying to show off, and that is not the point. That is the last thing I'm mm. thinking of. I just put out a video on the shaper, and you know somebody went off on me of like, yeah, you're just showing off. This is I'm leaving. This is not why I subscribe to your channel. I'm like, you obviously don't understand don't, what the point of my videos are. It, it, well, and, if, and clearly they didn't watch the video either because yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you. Did more more than enough to explain what why you were making the video yeah. about it. I, I actually know. found that video really really informative. It's funny how many videos I've watched on the Shaper, and every time I watch one, I learn something else. <laughs> like I watched first, it was um it was Andy Berkey's video, and Andy is like an, a Shaper like a brand ambassador. And you know we had him in one of the chats a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking all about it. And I was like, I was all ready to buy one. Thomas Sandlatterer, who does a 3D printing channel, did one. Jimmy did the one where he did the inlay on the deck of the flatbed of the trailer that he has. And I'm and you did yours, and I'm like, you were the. By the way, just so you know, I watch these videos looking for certain piece of information now because I actually understand how the machine works. And you were the first person that really explained. <laughs> how the machine has a floating head kind mm-hmm. of on it mm-hmm. where it does the compensation for you. You're, right. Everybody else just kind of puts the machine down and goes, look, you follow the line and it works. And and your immediate thing is, well, if it's rigid and it's attached to the spindle, how do you keep it in the line and not go crazy? Well, and, and I'm not that, I'm not that, like my no. dexterity is not that precise. So, Dude, I've tried right. hand routing things. I know <laughs> right. how poorly right. it goes. And you were the first person like, and I, obviously I learned how it worked because I watched it. I was like, oh, okay, that's how it works. But you were the first person that gave a really good explanation. And I feel like, wow, if you if all you took away from it is like, this is a really expensive tool, it's like, wow, but look at what he demonstrated. Like, aren't you excited that this technology exists? Mm-hmm. Because when CNCs came out, they were multi... We, we were just talking about this today. You know, my dad was a carpenter 
Um, he started as a carpenter in the 70s, and he was a carpenter up until a couple of years before he died. I mean, he was a hardcore carpenter, but his hardcore carpentry, there was no desktop fabrication, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can you imagine if he came into my house right now and saw the 3D printers or the Glowforge or in a couple of weeks when I have it all together, the CNC? Like, it would blow his mind. And I'm like, doesn't that, ex- I'm thinking, doesn't that excite people? Yeah. Like, well, look where this could go. Look what, and no, well, they all they look and go, that's expensive. I can't afford it. You suck. Right. Well, <laughs> you, I mean, you made the point at the end that the first tool of any, uh, of, you know, that kind of technology is always going to be expensive. But you look at track saws, right? I mean, you look at the Festool track saw, it probably still is the best one, but there are so many options now of, you know, down to the Craig ACS, ACS? Uh, yeah, um, Adapt, yeah, the adaptive cutting system. Yeah. yeah, that like that. Those are great options, and you know, it was that was like a year and a half, maybe two years for them. You know, other people to come up with them. So the excite exciting part is that the tool exists and the technology exists because then it will become I, more accessible to everyone. I know it's not as commoditized. I know it's not as commoditized, but I mean, I mean, is anyone on this podcast not use a cordless drill? Mm-hmm. Like, but if you went back, like when I first started making, I had a cordless drill that had a NICAD battery. It was a Craftsman drill. It had a NICAD battery. It was a 16 volt battery. The drill, and it was a gift from my dad and I loved it. I used the hell out of it, right? But if I had told my dad in 2001 that pretty much everyone in like 12 years is going to have cordless right. tools like all cordless like and he would go a cordless circular saw are you crazy you can't have that and it's like yeah you can and people had it back then and now they have it now and the reason people have it is because a bunch of people bought it when it was really expensive and they ironed out all the bugs mm-hmm, on right. them yep. <laughs> so yeah. that the reason that you know yeah the shaper is super duper expensive it's interesting technology it's fascinating to watch someone use it do you really think that that's not going to trickle down at some point to a, a less expensive machine? Even CNCs, you could put together a CNC for twelve hundred dollars now. Like probably less than that. Yeah, twelve hundred dollars isn't it isn't cheap, but twelve hundred dollars compared to what it was ten mm-hmm. years ago is oh my god, you couldn't even do it ten years ago. And plus, it just like when you see. When you saw a track saw for the first time, doesn't that like get your gears turning? Like, oh, I can't, oh I my can't gosh. get that, but maybe I can make a jig that does something similar. Sure. Right? Yeah, exactly. I saw on uh, um, Ask This Old House, and I was like, what? What is that thing? I was like, you can cut an edge that is basically perfectly straight, just like freehand, right. basically yeah. freehand. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is that thing? And how, again, how it got me excited. My... Wait, you don't use you don't just use a square? Like, wow. <laughs> and my first circular saw, I mean it's it's a corded saw, um, no dust collection, and it was a pain to use. And then I got another circular saw that was corded and would hook up to the dust collection, still a pain to use. That cord, that hose is always in the way. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I don't want to get it out. I'll just try to manhandle this over to the table saw. <laughs> right. And now I have a cordless track saw. That has a bag on there that the dust collection is decent. I will whip that thing out with no problem because there's no barrier to me to using it. I don't have to worry about cords and and hoses and it's just always there ready to go. So as the tools get better, I also enjoy using them more. Yeah, exactly. I I realized that one of the reasons I didn't, I was, I would literally sit in the house in my shop and I would, I would sand things 
like knock down edges and stuff by hand because taking out the router, plugging it in, running an extension because my shop doesn't have a yeah. lot of outlets. It's like, no, this becomes prohibitive after a while. Or the, the better example would be the nail guns. I never used my nail guns. I have the 18 gauge and the 23 gauge. I literally never used them unless I didn't have another option. Why? Because I had to haul out the compressor yep. and I had to plug it in, had to set the pressure, had to oil the tool every time. It's like, this is a pain. I'm just not going to do this. And then I bought the very first one I bought was the 18 gauge Ryobi one. And I'm like... I don't know how this is going to work, but it's got to be more convenient than that. I will never use a pneumatic nailer again. <laughs> never. I'm done. That's just not going to happen. And it's like, wow, I'm actually using this tool now because it's just that much easier to use. And again, is it a must be nice to have? To of course it is. It's a luxury tool. I'm going to a, a battery operated nailer is a luxury tool compared to a pneumatic one. It's five times the cost. Right. But now I'm actually using the tool. Because it's cordless and it's convenient and I can go in my driveway and use mm -hmm. it if I want to. Or I can yeah. take the tool to the job. I can take that tool around the house if I need to, to do a job in a place other than my shop. I don't have to bring everything to my shop to work on it. Well, you, you, you mentioned, too, my, uh, as you know, Vincent, my shop is tiny. My shop is uh, six feet by maybe 10 <laughs> and, uh, and, and has like two outlets at most. So the other thing about the battery powered things is... It, it, it frees up all of those outlets. So mm -hmm. I have the uh, Ryobi um, uh, uh, shop vac because it's just one less thing that I can, you know, I can charge up the batteries in another room and then use that shop vac as a shop vac and I don't have to plug it in. It's it's funny that it, those types of solutions also come become available, you know? And that's and that's the thing. And those were those battery operated tools that could compete with corded tools used to be priced right. out of the range of everyone and now you can go into Home Depot and buy pretty much any tool you want in battery operated form for under $150. <laughs> yes. Right. Like I mean yeah, okay, it's not going to be shaper good, is not going to be $150 anytime soon, right? But it's not also it's also not going to be $3000 forever. It's just not. There's going right. to there'll be a shaper 2 and the Shaper 1 will be $1,500. And everybody will be like, oh, I love this thing. I can't believe I waited so long <laughs> to get it. You know? It's, just the, it's like the, the, the circle of life for, uh, for cool. maker yeah. equipment. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, the outlet thing reminded me. One thing that I never showed in the, uh, the old basement shop is the web of extension cords running through the ceiling. Because <laughs> there was only a few outlets in the basement. And I had a full shop. And... Uh, I had various dust collectors, but they could not be on the same circuit. So right. uh, <laughs> just crazy extension cords running through the, the, the ceiling joists go through there <laughs> just to make everything work. And if somebody would have come in and unplugged everything and removed all of those cables, it would take me a week to figure out that, the perfect combination <laughs> right. of everything again. It's so, it's so funny because literally – so in my shop, I have – like my drill press and um, and then like uh, my scroll saw and chop saw, like mini ones that I have uh, extension cords hooked up to. And when I use them, I bring them out into other parts of the basement and plug them into other things. It's the most ridiculous setup ever. And that's, I, I'm actually thinking like I really do want to because I'm in ask, uh, ask this old house territory because I'm in near Boston and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get on their episode to have them come out and figure out how to put some more outlets <laughs> yeah. in my in my shop. 
We one of my favorite moments from making it. Um, you guys did a, a Q and A episode one time, and I asked the question, um, "Do you guys miss anything about your old shop?" <laughs> and I remember when Bob read it. He goes, he, Bob reads the question. He goes, "Oh, hi, Vincent." Do you guys miss anything about your... Now that you guys have your new shop, do you miss anything about your old shop? And Bob goes, are you crazy? No. <laughs> and I remember you and Jimmy answered it the same way. And I'm just... I kind of thought that there might be some... Sentimental know, thing. I just get attached. Yeah. But there, yeah, there might have been some like nostalgia attached to the old shop. But you really just don't no, miss it, No, I mean, you? we had... Um... <laughs> we had water issues, like water seeping through the walls. And... Oh. Um, uh, the cat box was down there, so it stunk. It wasn't visually exciting. So uh, I'm a very visual person. I need to be in an environment that mm-hmm. it right. excites me. Um, yeah, the only thing that I really miss, and it's just my own personal pleasure, is the um, my head cleared all the duct work, but cameraman Eric did not. He was super tall, and he always <laughs> hit his head in this one spot, and he never learned to duck <laughs> over by the bandsaw and didn't you have a sign no up at no one no point, sign like right there um and okay. he would just flip out <laughs> he would just like lose it for like a second and then he would go back to nice calm eric but that one second was just <laughs> so hilarious and then my my uh i had a kia sorrento and the the back hatch would open up and anytime we're loading something in there guaranteed he would hit his head on the hatch every single time <laughs> i i mean i miss i miss those things a little bit because it was entertaining yeah, yeah. to me and we would get a good laugh about it <laughs> but yeah there's nothing else i miss I remember- about that basement it's funny that he didn't like because i'm you know i'm six foot so i'm not super tall but there are like stairways and stuff like that where you you'll hit your head if you're standing up straight and you just you're, like it's a second nature i don't even know i do it I, you know i duck so that's hilarious uh, like, you, you, don't have to, moved, you have to adapt yeah exactly when i moved into this house um the the track on the garage at the very end of the track there's start there was um like foam like soft like foam like furniture foam yeah and it's wrapped up in duct tape and i'm like what kind of idiot hits their head on this stupid thing it's so <laughs> obvious it's right there if I count the number of times I put my head on that very spot that I thought this yep. guy was an idiot for putting that there. No, he wasn't an idiot. He was prescient. He knew exactly what was going to happen if he didn't put some foam there. Um, we are we're at an hour 15, so why don't, we, um, why don't we get into the video of the week, and then we'll do some things of the week, and we'll, Sounds good. Uh, we'll hit the road. <clears throat> um, the video of the week this week, um, it's, it's kind of interesting because everybody knows I'm into retro stuff. I'm into retro games. I'm into... I mean, if, if it's a retro game, there's a pretty good chance I'm into it. I love retro consoles. I love all that stuff. There's a company named Arcade One Up, and they make a whole bunch of um, home-based uh, stand-up arcade systems. And one of them that they just started making was the Star Wars game from the 80s. And it's <clears throat> one of the coolest arcade games ever. I was terrible at it, but I really liked it because it was vector graphics. And for <laughs> those of you that didn't play any of the vector games in the 80s, just imagine it looking like somebody was projecting lasers on a black screen. So this game was super duper cool. And uh, if you guys watch, there's a channel called um, Perifractics uh, Retro Recipes. And the guy that runs the channel is just one of the greatest guys ever. Like his videos are fantastic. There's an incredible amount of production value. And in fact, recently his, um, his wife started being in more videos. And that's been really fun because now he's got someone to kind of do his videos with 
And he's one of the things that he always wanted was the sit-in cockpit version of that Star Wars game. So he took the arcade one-up version of the console and he made it into the cockpit version mm-hmm. by building out the cockpit. So he he built the frame. He went to somebody with a full panel CNC. They cut out all the side pieces. And then they engineered a solution to prop the machine up inside this thing so that it sat in the right position so you could play it like you played the the sit-down version in the arcades in the 80s. And it just seeing his face light up when he turned it on and it was just... Right. It's just one of the most... I, I love those warm, fuzzy things like when somebody reconnects with something from their childhood and I just got all the feels, just all the feels all over the place. Just his <laughs> smile was just a mile wide and yeah. he was totally enjoying it. And they engineered some really cool solutions. Right. It, yeah. For propping this case up. And it, it just, it looked, it looked great. Plus they went on eBay and they got um, the <coughs> graphics because one of the great things about, you know, 2020 is that everybody wants to relive those years so people my age love the 80s games and they you can get arcade decals that are pretty much dead on. You know, I joke I joke about weaponized autism. Well, these are people who used weaponized autism to make exact replicas of what they look like on the machines. It's absolutely fantastic video. It's it's a half hour and you will enjoy it start to finish. You see him go through the process, he explains the game goes through the process you, it's somewhat of a build video somewhat of a problem solving video and then at the end you get to see the whole thing and you get to see him play it it's just a super good video and by one of the true nice guys on the internet too so yeah i'll agree good. so Vin, vincent sent it uh sent a video to me i had not i was not aware of it uh of him and his channel uh so this was the first video i watched and I, yeah i i think i think what was really nice is he starts it off talking about you know, why it's important to him. And it was, again, it was that genuine excitement about it mm-hmm. and wanting it. And he'd been wanting to buy one of the originals for years, but they were super expensive and, and out, you know, run down and all that. And so then the idea came to build their, his own. And the process was super cool to watch him go from that to making it out of this other version and yeah, it's just a really, to your point, Vincent, it was a very good problem solving video mm-hmm. with a lot of, you know, kind of sentimental moments of, of, you know, rediscovering your childhood, right? It's, I, it's right. I get warm. I, I get like all like gushy when I see someone do this kind of stuff with Fusion 360, because <laughs> as much as I love Fusion 360 and I, David, you probably can relate to this. I can use Fusion 360 for 3D printing all day long. No problem. When it comes to like doing a build plan with it, I have no ability to figure out how the hell to use it to make like to do like a woodworking plan. Like I just I can't do I don't understand. I don't know why. It's just like a mental block. So seeing this whole thing laid out in Fusion 360 made me go, yeah, this is something you're just going to have to learn how to do because it's clear that other people have figured it out. (laughs) You can figure it out, too. So, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's an absolutely fantastic video. Um, we'll have the link in the show notes, like always, because it's just that good. It it it's again, it's retro, and I I tend to lean towards certain retro toys and games, and that's kind of my thing. It's becoming my thing. And wait till you hear who our guest is in a couple of weeks, you'll really understand how it's become <laughs> my thing. But we um yeah, this is our definitely the video of the week, just because it's a it's a really good build video. There's a lot of fun involved. There's 
the usual personality from Chris, and it's just what's the name of the channel so again? Will be in the channel. Uh, it's Perifractix Retro right. Recipes. Because I can't, I, I'm impatient. I can't wait until <clears> the show <throat> comes out to go click on the on the show notes. Oh, I will absolutely send you this right. right after we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll from someone that did the uh, the wood, the wood uh, Nintendo. Yes. Oh, that was one, still one of my favorite projects. Well, I love again, that. I'm I'm a freaking I'm a retro game lover. Yeah. And when you when I saw what you were doing on your Instagram stories, I'm like, oh, I got <laughs> so excited. I, I was like a little kid. And, yeah, it was oh, awesome. I love I love that you're you know you have a certain aesthetic. I remember I was playing um I was playing a game. There's a game for the iPhone and the um, iPad. Hold on, I'm just gonna pull it real quick. Because um, it makes me think of you every time I play. It's called Kami. Um, K-A-M-I. And this one is actually Kami 2, the one that I've been playing. There's a section of it where the patterns look like something I would expect to see you make, like, in your woodworking stuff. <laughs> like, when you did that, um, the, gar- the trash bin, and you did the door with the <laughs> wood patterning. And I was like, wow, that looks just like the game I'm playing. <laughs> and I was like... That's funny. And it's it's so funny how much of an impression your stuff leaves on me because I see stuff like that and I think of you. It's like that's how your your brand and your style. I understand your style. Like I really feel like I get your. It's not my style, but I get your style. I wish I got my yeah. style more. Somebody just, <laughs> somebody just sent me an Instagram message today and I haven't answered yet because I don't know how to answer it. He's he said. Uh, a couple of years ago on the podcast, you wanted to say you wanted to come up with your own style, and he's like, "I believe you have, and I want to know if if you think you've had, if if you have your own style, and how did you get there?" And I'm like, "I don't have my own style yet. I think I have a style of video, but my projects I feel like they're all over the place. There's not a there's not a thing that ties them all oh, totally. together." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree, I agree, but I I do think you have. We we talked about this. Uh, I think it was even on the episode that I was a guest before I came on. There's a through line with your style. So it's not like a, a specific like style, but there's something that connects all of your pieces, all of your work that, that, that connects them all. And, and there is a style there and, uh, you know, something that's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like the, it's like, and I don't want to, I hate to use this example, but it's the perfect example. There was that Supreme Court justice that once said, I don't know what, I, I can't tell you mm-hmm. what porn is, but I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you what David Petuto's style is specifically, but if you show me something, I could go, yep, that's him. You know, like when yeah. you did the, um, you did the, the stained glass, um, when you had Evan and Caitlin and you did the stained glass light mm-hmm. with the tree. First of all, just so you know, my grandmother had that light too. <laughs> awesome. And as soon as I saw it, I got so excited. I was like, I remember that from when I was a kid too. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, like I, that would just be the kind of thing that you would find. Like I feel like you would go through a thrift store and if that was sitting on the shelf, right. you would buy it. Like I just kind of, like it made sense that it was you showing that. I don't know. Well, even, even the uh, Frank Lloyd Wright bird uh birdhouse exactly like good example th- that Very is example. that's a that's frank lord wright's you know right. style that's right but it it fits with your i'll take that i don't know your brand your style or something it it, it works with your it's brand a, it's appropriate <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it just fits right, i'll take that thank you so yeah would you <laughs> if you had to pick a famous house to live in how high on the list would falling water be i mean <laughs> how's number one sound 
<laughs> you and me both. I just wanted to make it's like, sure. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, so there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house in Rochester, New York, which, which is where I grew up. And that was like, I think one of the first houses that I, I saw that I like understood that architecture and design were a thing. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I, when you posted that uh, birdhouse, it just like brought me back. I was like, oh my God. So it was, it was a very... Uh, like guttural thing response for me. I didn't so no. So I used to stare at things like logos and just ads and mm-hmm. stuff. And I didn't know. I don't remember in the moment. I don't think I was actually there in the moment, but I would just look at things and take it in. And as an adult, mm-hmm. I look back, I'm like, I would, I remember myself just staring at the Shell gas logo and like learning that how many elements are in there and how all the curves are the same. Like that's a stupid thing for a kid to do, but that's what I did. And so even though I didn't know it until I hit like 35, 40 years old, I was always into how things looked. I would sit there in the backseat of my parents' car on long trips find something as we were driving and i would start drawing it and i was terrible and it didn't look anything like it was supposed to but i was fascinated by trying to recreate the things around Mm. me on paper i love that and i think that that's just a mindset like look you know look now like what do i do i do wood i do jewelry i do 3d printing i do laser printing and laser cutting and all that fun stuff and i'm like wow you know you don't realize when you're a kid what you're doing your your brain is becoming you're just doing it yeah you're you're it's not you're not when you're a kid, you're not being creative. You're being yeah, a kid. That's a good right. you know. It's it's the the creativity kind of comes later when you realize that everything that you learned as a kid is now your your basically your internal reference for what you're doing as an adult. And it's pretty spectacular when you start realizing stuff like that. Yeah, totally. And I, I think one of my favorite things that you talk about, David, is like just flipping through catalogs or books or whatever, and. I, I've done that for so long and I don't think I ever really realized that I was doing that in the mm-hmm. sense that you, you talk about it. And I, re- I remember like one of my favorite things was going through old like uh, Sears catalogs, like, like you know, that's 60s, 60s. Yeah, that's a good one. And, and just flipping through it and, and I don't know. It's, it, I don't think I was, I, I, I was getting design ideas or inspiration, but I didn't know it, you know. It's just, but it, that tangible feeling of flipping through something and looking at it is, uh, I think it's really powerful. I I knew it worked. I knew that that kind of thing, I started to understand it when you did the Christmas tree light because I was like, wow, that just triggered so many memories. (laughs) Like I can, I can visualize not just the light, but where it was in the house, everything around it and be careful around the light because it's going to break. Like I, everything, (laughs) like all of it just came flooding back. It's like, wow. You don't realize what you have stored, and then yep. something gives you that little push, just a tiny little push in a certain direction, and it's 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 amazing. It's it's just the best feeling ever, and that's why I like doing this stuff. You know, even even I find myself like one of the, one of my upcoming projects is restoring my dad's number seven plane, and I'm very excited about restoring it. Not because I have any intention of ever really using it, because I'm just not a hand plane guy. <laughs> I'm just not right. But what I am is I'm a guy who appreciates the history of the things around him. And that's my dad's mm-hmm. tool, you know, and it, it, right. just, it carries so much weight because it was my dad's. And it's like, wow, I really want to I want to make this even if it's just a display piece in my shop, then so be it. But I really want to show that respect to this tool because it was his. And yeah, yeah that's OK. 
tangents. <laughs> yeah, tangents, I know. All right, things of the week. Things of the week, things of the week. David, you, you, since you are the guest, we always let our guest go first when it comes to things of the week. So why so don't you Mine is a thoughts? video. I panicked because you warned me. You warned me twice. <laughs> and, and then we started recording. I'm like, oh, crap, I don't have one. But uh, so Kelly and I just watched this video, and it's got 8 million views. So lots of people watch this video. But it's the Mark Rober <laughs> building the perfect squirrel-proof bird feeder. Have you seen this? Oh, my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> it was so, great. If you want to talk about excitement in a video, this is a key example. <laughs> he is it, he makes the best videos and he has for a long time. This is his best video. So it's, it's his magnum opus. It is so Absolutely. Good. And it's not something that you can just make in a day and film a video. This took weeks, uh maybe even months. And it's just so brilliant. And Basically, if you haven't seen it, uh, he got some bird feeders. Squirrels got past the squirrel-proof stuff, and so that got him thinking. He's an engineer, and so he came up with this obstacle <laughs> course that you would think would be impossible for these squirrels to go through, but they figure it out, and it's crazy. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> it's well done, and it's a video that I could not make because it takes too long. Like I get over projects right. real quick. I have to do something that I can be done at, at the very most a couple weeks and I have to move on. This one took weeks and I worry too much about how things look and aesthetics. And he has just nailed all these things together. You can see nail holes and stuff and it's just, it's put together for a purpose, not for looks. And I don't know that I could ever get over that because there's, there's the balance <laughs> of function and form for me. It, the video is so mm. good. Just, Go watch it. It's it's so funny. Like it's it's amazing to me how funny it is. And it's what I also like, and you'll probably agree with me. What I really liked about it is that you he didn't do a three hour video with one and a half hours of it the build of every single mm -hmm. obstacle. It was just like, well, I came to the idea that I was going to do this. Mm -hmm. Here's what I built. It does this. It does it. Boom. Just a quick intro. Let's get to the squirrels because right. that's what you're here for. You're here for the squirrels. And it was just, it was perfect because we, we, and I, I say we meaning makers in general, we would be like, well, I want to show right. how I made this because it's, <laughs> no, it's about the squirrels. <laughs> Shut up. Just show squirrels. <laughs> you know? and that's what he did. It was absolutely yeah. brilliant. We watched it. It came out yesterday, right? So I think, yeah, it came out yesterday, and we watched it, and it was just, we were laughing the whole time. It was just so damn cute. And the, there's a, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a major twist in the middle of it where it's like, oh, wasn't yeah. expecting that yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, that is a great, that's a great choice. Actually, it's really sad that I forgot about that one. I was so excited about <laughs> my thing of the week. I, I, I got to watch it. I haven't watched it. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'll watch it before I go to bed. Watch it tonight. Don't yep. wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Watch it tonight. It's <laughs> worth a watch. <laughs> Good pick. Good pick. Ethan, you want to go next? Yeah, mine's mine's super simple this week. Uh, I was struggling to think of what uh, what I would pick, but and I don't think I've talked about them before. Um, but micro mesh pads. Do you guys oh, know what those yes. are? Oh yes. So. <laughs> So I, I've had them, I've had a bunch of them for years and uh, it goes back to when I uh, would restore guitars and stuff like that. I use them for, you know, fret refinishing or, um, you know, finishing and stuff like that. And they're basically these little squares 
uh, that go that have grits from uh, what is it? Uh, oh, 1500 grit to up to 12,000 grit. So you work your way up. Um, and so they're really, really good for things like fret, re, uh, fret refinishing. But so I was working on uh, my latest project. It'll probably come out Wednesday. Is um, Vincent? You saw, you know, my wooden uh, wooden leather toolbox. Mm-hmm. So um, David, so recently I put out a video on um, a wooden leather toolbox for my all my leather working tools. So the sides are wood, and then the body of mm-hmm. it is leather. So it's a kind of a combination. So I made a uh, single pen case, very small with like a dowel, so um, poplar dowel. And so the ends of the case are these poplar dowels. Um, but I really wanted them to be shiny and, and show off the, you know, the grain pattern, but they're end grain. And I, I use the, you know, I sanded them with all the other sandpaper, but then I use the micro mesh pads and it, it, it's almost like glass when you when you work up to 12,000 grit and it just creates this really really nice finish so um so yeah so they're really really handy for a bunch of different things um so yeah micro mesh pads they're very good if you they're yeah, very they're, good if you do um resin work if you add oh yeah you, yeah you for wet, sure you could do some crazy stuff peter brown uses them um, that's one of the things he uses in his final stages when he's sanding stuff down. He um, wet sands with micro mesh. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. And they are. They, that's how he gets. That's one of the ways he gets the glass finish on his resin. They are absolutely fantastic. I have a set of them downstairs, also. Well, They're when fantastic. I when I did um, when I used to finish. So when I lived in my one bedroom condo and I couldn't use spray lacquer or anything like that, and I was making like ukuleles and stuff, I use um, this. So, uh, this material or this um, finish that they use for guns, uh, like um, you know, like shotguns and stuff like that, and it was mm-hmm. guns. I can't think of what it's called, but basically you put it on really, really thin, and you do like twenty twenty layers basically. But then you finish it, and then you use these, and it comes out with this like super satin finish. It's it's beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, we'll have, I'll have a link to those in the show notes. I actually got the last set I got. I got them. They have them at Hobby Lobby, like right there on the show. Oh, do they now? Yeah, they used to be really hard to find, but now they're pretty much everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to say don't buy the real ones, but there are a lot of knockoffs. Yeah, I'm sure. It's just good. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, they are, they're fantastic. And what's great about them is when you use them, when you use them on resin, when you get up to that 12,000 grit, you're basically just pol- it's like it's the equivalent of polishing with a piece of printer paper. Hmm, I mean right. that's how that's how fine the grit is. They are absolutely fantastic. You just I think yeah. I think they've even used them on like uh like uh airplane windows and stuff like that, the glass to like get rid of the scratches and stuff like that. I yeah, yeah. I'm told yeah, I yeah. imagine they'd be great for that. In fact, I'm thinking now cuz I was watching a video from Project Farm today about um headlight restoration kits. Mm-hmm. And I was like I was thinking as I'm watching, I'm like, you know, I could just go out with some polishing compound in the micro mesh and probably get the same effect. So mm-hmm. um, my wife's headlights are a disaster. So if anybody has anything they've done <laughs> that actually works, please email me. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll have the link for that in the show notes because that's something that you definitely should have in your arsenal. And they're, they're not that expensive. Either. Yeah. You can buy a whole set for like 20 bucks. Right. Fantastic. Um, my pick this week is something completely out of character for me because it's a man with talent I don't have. And skill that I can't comprehend because this guy annoys me because he's good at everything. Um, if you Ethan never Carter watched, designs, no. <laughs> well, all right. So my second choice of the week, um, 
Have, is, have you, do either of you watch Jazza's channel? I'm not familiar with Mm-mm. it. No, huh? Okay. Jazza is um, Josiah Brooks. He is an artist. And he has one of the most popular art channels on YouTube. The guy is an absolute beast. We, we watch his channel because, honestly, he's just an engaging and funny and entertaining guy. And we, we just love his videos. He's fun to watch. And he does the craziest art projects with the most crazy materials. And he just crushes it every time. The video we watched tonight, um, he was trying to draw in a negative so hmm. he was he basically the idea was he was going to draw in the negative colors and then invert it like a film <clears throat> negative so he could oh, see wow. how well he did. That'd be tough. Huh. Like if you yeah, it just whoa, how does somebody even come up with the idea of that? But he's done some crazy stuff. Like he the other day we watched a video where he sculpted a dragon and a castle out of ramen noodles. <laughs> so he bought like 250 packs of ramen noodles, glued them together with PVA glue. And then did baking soda and super glue to harden some of it, and then sculpted it into a dragon attacking a castle. I just—he's just—and what what's aggravating Crazy, yeah. about him is what's great about him. He's good at everything, right? And it's just—it's like, damn, you're just a really talented guy, and it's aggravating. <laughs> and not aggravating in a bad way. I'm just aggravating in a damn. Is there? Anything I wish I was that good. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a true. He's one of those true like Renaissance man types. That's like, oh, okay, you're gonna pick this up. Well, you're gonna be good at that. I'm already expecting that. I get to the happen, same so. feeling when like yeah. very cool. I log into Facebook and people are posting like eight year old drummer kills it playing whatever or nine year old guitarist. <laughs> like, don't I don't even want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been playing piano since I'm six years old, and there are little kids that will just destroy <laughs> me, and it's like that just yeah. hurts. <laughs> it's like you think you're good at something, wait till you see a six year old do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, totally. That'll put your that'll put your ass in place in yep. a second. <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for this week, actually, David. I mean, I yeah. sent you the video, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. You have been one of the reasons that I am what I am and where I oh, am man. is you. you. And I would not be where I am without you inspiring me. So I know that I've never actually made a David Picciuto project, except for your wine holders, actually. I've made those oh, and right sold on. those, so thank you for that. But, um, yeah, I honestly, <clears throat> I, I owe you huge, man, because every, everything that I love doing started when I kind of became a woodworker. And one of the reasons I became a woodworker is watching your videos and learning and watching you make really cool stuff and just thinking I can do that because David's going to show me how to do it. Wow. And it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And yeah. I know it sounds creepy when we joke about how much of your stuff <laughs> I have all over my house. It's not <laughs> creepy. It's just, it's just like when you make something, I want to buy it because I want you to have that level of support. And if that's something I can do, then that's what I'm going to do. So I'm actually probably going to pre-order the book after we're done. I already did, so but... If you, <laughs> although I might order it from your store, because then if I order from your store, then is, I get your autograph on correct, it, which is yeah. worth more than oh, Shoot. Shoot, I shouldn't... <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to get one for my dad, too. So. I'll tell you, the, the, and one last thing, one last thing that, you know, it just got me when we said... Um, I, was, I was writing something on Twitter, and I said... And I wrote something to you, and I wrote... and 
potential and maybe potential friend and you wrote actual <laughs> friend and i went Aww. oh my god i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i'm gonna die david Petruto just called me his friend i'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. <laughs> so yeah but well yeah, let me let me do a little gushing too because yeah we have to get our gush in we warned you it just came later than we promised <laughs> yeah but no thank you david uh, honestly you, um it's it's one of those things where whenever i i post something and it doesn't get the response that I want or I do something or I'm feeling just, you know, you know, just feeling like I'm unmotivated or whatever. Watching your videos gets me inspired again and and makes me realize that I should I should make for what I want to make. And that's what's most important. And the second I realize that I get motivated again and and I, that's happened so many times. And so thank you for that. That It, it means a lot. So I, thank you. Man. Thanks. Has anybody ever cried on your show before? Uh, <laughs> Vincent me, has. Many, oh. many, many times. Maybe. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's hearing things like that, that. That's the thing that motivates me. It lets me know like, ah, this I'm doing something right that's connecting with people. And the main pur- purpose yes. is just to help somebody be more creative i i think we can i think every single person can be creative even if you think you can't be you can be mm-hmm. it, it, it's just something you have to learn and it's a really hard thing to teach and someday i'm going to yeah. figure out the formula to teach creativity because <laughs> having something to actually make or something or do or create is just uh, it's, it just gives you a purpose to, to be here and that's and that's really important so right. thank you guys i had fun and i appreciate all the kind words ah oh, thank you every one of them was 100 percent meant my friend absolutely it was, it was really nice to finally just sit down and have a chat with you uh, that's going to do it for this week everybody thank you so much for listening uh, if you have a moment head on over to itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because Believe it or not, that does actually help iTunes say, hey, this is a good podcast, and they'll show it when somebody looks for something good. <laughs> I mean, it does help. I know people aren't sure if it does, but trust me, it does. It's helped us since the beginning, and it's going to keep helping us the more you guys do it. So thanks for that, and thanks for listening. We will be back again next week, but until then, have a great week. Yeah.